Today we're going to spend some time talking about this idea um, of, of being uh, ambassadors for Christ. It's a silly little piece of artwork, but I thought about it, you know, and we do these lanyards um, for, so we can know each other's names. But, you know, there's the truth that we represent Christ in the community. I made that, and I thought, is that fair? And more importantly, is that biblically accurate? That when you show up somewhere, you are Christ? I want to spend a moment talking about the idea of Christ, it's interpreted Messiah, but it, it, in the Bible, I mean the Greek, right? It's the same thing as Messiah. Uh, it's a title, a role, a responsibility, but it's also an anointing, a presence. You remember the guys are walking along toward the end of the Gospel of John, I believe it is, and they said, did our hearts not burn within us while he was speaking to us? Why? He's anointed. How do we miss Jesus when he was with us? This gives me pause because I think about are, when we're out, are we representing Christ? I mean, is that really our job, to be Christ in the world? Many of us, we're more in our heads, and we'll say, well, God's got that. That's God's work. Jesus can be Jesus himself. I believe that that's true. And yet, if you read Scripture over and over again, Jesus chooses to use his people to represent him in the world. When you walk into a room, you are being Christ to somebody. We're going to talk through some of the difficulties of that today because we know our own failures, man. I know mine. Right? It's not, this is a bad plan. That's what I would say to God. This is a bad plan if I'm going to represent you to the world. You might want to rethink this. Okay, um, so we're going we're gonna to go from Scripture, um, uh, we always do, and what we're going to do, we always do, we're going to enter into Scripture with prayer. And so I'm going to ask you to pray with me this morning as we, as we enter into the Word, that He would give us wisdom and, and um, insight. Truth, truth, truth for our lives. Uh, Father God, we come here into your house to worship you and praise you. You are the only God. You are the God who spoke everything into existence. You are the God who knit us together in our mother's womb. You're the God who's healing us and restoring us and making us whole. You're the God who saved us in spite of our sin, in spite of our deadness. You reached into hell and rescued us from the enemy. And today we stand before you, your children, fully clean and yet still feeling dirty, fully called to be your servants in this world and yet still feeling unworthy and, and desiring to know you. And today, Father, I pray that all the stuff, all the man-made stuff would fall away and we could just engage with you, our very spirit, our very souls could be open to you today. We pray that you would give us open hearts, that we could become soft in your presence and moldable and changeable by you, that we would have minds that would be open to truth, and transformation, and knowledge, and wisdom, and that we would have hands and feet that would dare to do the work, to live it out, this internal reality we have in you, in this world that you've placed us in. We pray that you would continue to bring glory to your name. Use us for anything you would have us to be used for, and we know that you will be glorified through those things. We pray this prayer in the unstoppable name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So go ahead and turn, if you would, to um, 2 Corinthians 5. 
I didn't really plan. This is kind of funny because we were doing 2 Corinthians the last couple weeks, but I didn't plan this to be here, but this is where it is, and we're going to kind of pick up here in 2 Corinthians 5. It's the second letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and we studied it for the last few weeks. And we're going to be reading just a few verses from 11 through 21. So I'm going to, I'm going to read through here, and we'll talk through it, okay? Uh, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, Paul says. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Because Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. A great passage from this great letter to the church, this encouraging word to us. And I want to start with this concept. I've kind of mentioned a little bit about representing Christ. And I want to say, and it comes right from the scripture, we're going to look at it, that the first thing I want you to see is that we are Christ's ambassadors. And maybe when I said that this morning already, you started going, wait a minute, you know, there's got to be another plan. Like I said, I just look at what the scriptures say. It says it very clearly that we are in 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Paul's writing to the church. He's saying we as in he, the apostles, those who came and started the church, but certainly also the church itself, right? You remember that Jesus said things like, if you knew my father, you would know me. And the same stands true here, that if if we know Christ, then Christ is in us and making his appeal through us in our lives. That's a very real thing that's happening. We are Christ's ambassadors, I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be an ambassador. I think we have some idea of what that means, right? Um, I said about, you know, representing, you put on a sweatshirt or, or, or something, you represent that organization, that brand, right? We all wear brands. We have our favorite shoes. We have our favorite clothes. We love it when people notice. We're representing the brand. A lot of control over that by companies. We are getting ready to, I know today's Super Bowl Sunday, it's a lot of sports, today's also Groundhog Day, just a random mention there, I think that's kind of funny, so whatever you want to watch today, the Groundhog or the Super Bowl, hey, you know, teach his own, I might go with the Groundhog myself. Uh, the Olympics are coming, 
And everyone's worried about the Olympics. And we celebrate the Olympians, man. And it's amazing if you watch these men and women train. I mean, from the time they're little bitty, this is their life's goal and desire. They love it. They can't wait. And they represent, isn't it interesting, the countries that they come from. Have you noticed that? Like when they enter the Olympic Stadium, they have the flags and the lights are on them. And man, we are here. This is our country. And all the countries, well, most of the countries are worried about the way they're represented at the Olympics because it's a big deal. It's become this big kind of a PR thing for the countries of origin. Even more so when an Olympian has the talent, ability, and opportunity to win at competition in the Olympics, they get a medal, right? And they take this medal, kind of like this, and they put it over their neck in this ceremony, and they step up on a block, which I don't have here, but they stand up taller, and there's this little thing where they kind of like, they're pecking order. And then, of all things right? The flags begin to come up or come down or something in this big ceremony because they're representing their nations of origin. They're ambassadors to the world. Do you believe that's true? I mean, when you see a United States citizen taking the podium, does your heart not feel pride? They're representing us. Oh my goodness. When you see a United States Olympian on the pedestal and they do something that is atrocious, do you not cower in embarrassment? Do you remember the smirk from the last Olympics about the silver? The young lady who was getting a silver medal and she was kind of like, whatever. And it became a big joke, right? Everyone started mocking it. Why? Man, you're a silver Olympian. You don't even get it. It's not about you. Represent. Stand there. You know? Own it. If it's a big deal that a select few people are sent into this sports arena to represent our countries, and that we have so much invested that we watch them, and we, we pray for them. I hope, you know, you pray for the Olympians, and you want them to win, and when they win, you hope that they live up to the standard that's been set for them by us. Represent properly. Don't cheat. Don't take shortcuts. Do the work. If it's that big of a deal for us, how big of a deal is it that Paul says, we're Christ's ambassadors in the world. We are Christ's ambassadors. I one time heard someone say something when I was a pretty new believer. They said, um, you might be the only Bible anyone ever reads. And I thought, oh boy, that's cliche. You might be the only person that someone meets who knows Jesus and can represent properly what that means. Like really, no joke. If it's a big deal when we watch people hang medals on one another, how much of a bigger deal is it that Christ hangs his on us? My son, my daughter who I died for, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them. It's pretty, pretty amazing to me that we have the opportunity to be ambassadors for Christ. The other thing that's interesting is that uh, ambassadors are sent on behalf of the leader. And, and, and again, this is in here. He said, Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We represent Christ to you. That's truth. 
right? They're sent on behalf of the leader. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had, and quite honestly, I'll be very honest, this mostly before I was a pastor, where I, I was so... I, I was so excited about what God is doing. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not excited now as a pastor. I'm still excited about what God's doing, but now it's my job. But before, I was out there and I was doing other work and I would just naturally express passionately all that God was doing in my life and the lives of others, the reality of Scripture, who he was. And I would express this to people, complete strangers, and they would say to me, oh my goodness, I could follow a God like that. I, I want to go to a church like that. Right? And I wasn't hyping the church. I was hyping Jesus. Jesus can do anything. He can heal any wound. He can restore any sinner. He can call anyone to repentance. And it's a gift to us. When you start to explain that to people, they, they start to go, maybe me. I mean, that's a great moment in our lives. Maybe me. I could do that too. You guys are Christ's ambassadors to the world. Here's something else. The ambassadors have the ability, limited though it is, to speak on behalf of their leader. The things that you say, good and bad, say something about what Jesus is about. If you know him as your savior, if you claim him as your Lord, Lord means master, ruler, man in charge, then the things that we say, the ways that we behave, say something about Jesus. And we have some ability to speak on his behalf. I hope that what we learn is that we can't make promises that God never made, but we can certainly proclaim promises that he did make. Confess your sins. You'll be forgiven. Repent and believe the gospel. You will be saved. I mean, his spirit is living in you, working out your salvation. All these things we can claim on his behalf. Those promises, by the way, come from his word. We know that they're true, and we can live them out and see them true in our lives. Something else, an ambassador is a wise person. And this actually is from the Greek, right? The word is presbytos, and we usually see that as like an overseer, right? That's where Presbyterians get their name from, the biblical word presbytos. It means that someone who is an ambassador for Christ, but someone who is wise, one of my favorite promises in Scripture is, do you lack wisdom? I do. Ask. Ask for it. God will give you wisdom if you ask. We can become wise people in this world. So I'm wondering then, if we truly are ambassadors for Christ, do you wake up each day and put on, put on this mantle on purpose, right? Right? I mean, do you have an acknowledgement that when you put on Christ, when you choose to work for the company, you know what I mean? When you choose to take the job, that you, that you are you're going to service today. And I don't know what you do, like with your days. I don't know what your job looks like. And I know some of you probably don't like your job, and some of you are probably glad you got a job, right? Some of you probably wish you had a job. All of us have work to do, no matter what. If we know Christ, do you wake up and do you put on the mantle of Christ each day? Do you, do you own it? Do you say a crazy prayer in the morning like, use me today, Father. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll, I'll just show me. I'll do it. Use me today for your glory. Send me into the world. It's an amazing opportunity to follow Christ, an adventure in following Jesus. All right. So, 
Now, I want to, so many of you might be like me and you're thinking, okay, so I, I don't have, I'm not comfortable with this. <laughs> like, I'll come to church on Sunday, I'll say, you can talk about Jesus stuff sometimes with people that I know believe in Jesus, but I'm not comfortable being an emissary to the world. I don't, I'm not comfortable going out, you know, because you don't know me and you don't know how weak I am. You don't know my failings or whatever, right? But I want to go back and talk through the scripture for a minute about what we see that God does know. You see, because sometimes, here's the, here's the funny thing. When we act as if God doesn't know who he's working with, we act as if we know more than he does, about what he's doing in our life. I'm trying to say that this will create a space for peace with you in following Jesus. I'm not here to put on some, some heavy burden that you have to go out each day and work the fields. I'm saying it's a natural manifestation of your relationship with Jesus, that you are an ambassador for Christ, okay? So we're going to go back and we're going to read in verses um, 11 and through 13. Listen to what Paul says. He starts out, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Okay, so first of all, we know that we have a relationship with Jesus to fear the Lord like he is sovereign over us. We try to persuade men, Paul says. Here, though, I want you to hear what it says. What we are is plain to God, right? I think that's a really understated sentence. What we are is plain to God. One of the, one of the problems that we have in uh, in thinking about things like being an ambassador for Jesus as you go, yeah, but Jesus doesn't know how messed up I am. I got news for you. He knows exactly how messed up you are, right? None of you guys are messed up, though, because you're in church. <laughs> you guys are perfect. Those people are messed up. Nuh-uh. You guys are all messed up. Do you know that? You got stuff to work out. You're a disaster. I think that's true. I think all of us are. I know I am. A mess, a mess, a mess. And, and people in the church and people in the world can hold over you and go, you're not good enough yet, man. If you get your stuff together, maybe Jesus could use you. If you don't even follow the rules better, then maybe you could help out around here. Maybe you could be a good witness for Jesus. Listen to me. That's lies. He knows you. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses, your successes and your failures. And I got news he wants to use all of it, everything, for his glory. He wants to use all of me for his glory. What does it say? What we are is plain to God. And I hope it's plain to your conscience as well. The truth is this, in Christ, in Christ, God knows that we're his For all the things that we feel like we lack to be obedient in the moment, we lack nothing. Because Christ knows that we're his. He's already put the medal around our neck. I had my kids. I said, you guys have any medals? And they shared these with me. Look. And he's, he's, he's already, we're already champions. I mean, that's the point of the gospel. The victory is won. Your sins are forgiven. He's blessed you. He's anointed you with the Holy Spirit of God. He's sent you out into the world to be his witnesses to the far reaches, maybe even work or school. And he's hung around your neck, and he knows who you are. I wonder how much do we leave undone because we think not yet. You know what? I'll do more for Jesus when I get my life fixed. I'll be a better witness when I don't have to tell people how screwed up I am, right? He knows who you are. He knows what the end 
game is. He knows what's coming, and he has claimed you as his own. That's a beautiful truth. He says, what we are is plain to God. There's no hiding from him, but he has saved us in Jesus Christ. He says, I hope it's plain to you. Look, verse 12, what we are not trying to commend, or we are not trying to commend ourselves to you again. That means make ourselves okay. But we're trying to give you an opportunity to take pride in us so you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what's in the heart. Paul says, I'm not trying to convince you who I am in Jesus. I know who I am in Jesus. I know who I am. I believe the promises even though I struggle. And Paul talked about struggle. He knew that God's work would not be left incomplete in him. I know, church, that God's work will not be left incomplete in me, and there's a great truth and hope that I know that God's work is not left incomplete in you. He will finish what he started in your life. And that's a great promise. He knows that we are his. I love that Paul says, um, if, in 13 he says, if we're out of our mind, it's for the sake of God, and if we're our right minds, it's for you. I think that's a funny verse, because I don't know if you sometimes feel like you're out of your mind. Uh, sometimes I feel that way when I'm worshiping Jesus by myself. You know, that's what it really, I go, man, really? You know, like, I just get a little out of hand about my worship. And sometimes we kind of dial it back, because we want to be good ambassadors for you. Right? God's real. He's present. He loves you. Paul says, if we're crazy, we're crazy for Jesus. And if we're sober, we're sober for you. We want you to believe this message is truth and it's for you and for me. God knows we belong to him. And the truth is, and this is the last kind of thing, is that in this little promise, and I hope this makes sense to you guys, but we can rest in knowing that he knows us fully. He knows the good, he knows the bad, and he knows everything in between. And we can stop hiding Stop covering up, you know, pretending. And just let him, be, let him work through us however we are. And I, I don't know. I know in our family, that's a hard thing to do, right? There's such a tendency to, to act around one another and not just be where we are. I, I'm convinced, and I've seen it repeatedly in my own life, the more honest you are with who you are, the more God will use you for his purposes in the world. Don't, don't lie to people. Just be who you are. You act as if you're not a child of God, but you are a child of God. All right, verses 14 through 17, why we do this work? 14, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all have died. The truth is that all of our motivation in being ambassadors for Christ are rooted in the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. Now, you might think a little differently, like, well, this love is like, boy, Jesus loves you, you know, he loves me, and that's true. But if you read what Paul writes about the love of Jesus, I want you to read with me, he says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all have died. Paul believed that every person he met was dead, either dead in Christ and therefore heading for resurrection and glory or dead in their sins and lost without Jesus. We recently heard someone say something that was very wise. I never thought about this before. I may have said this to you too. I apologize if I repeat myself, but these things are sticking in my head is if you don't meet someone who's innocent. They're stuck in their sin or they're living for Jesus. That's what Paul sets up here is the truth of the gospel. What about the innocent people? There are no innocent people. The thing that compels us is the great love of Jesus to save people from themselves and from the trap of sin and the enemy of God. And that's the truth, delivering people right out of the gates of hell. That's the truth. 
People who shared the gospel with me delivered me from the gates of hell. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all. Jesus, in the substitutionary death for us, died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. They would no longer live for themselves, but would live for the one who died for them and was raised to life. This is our new charge in Christ. This is our new opportunity to go out and share the good news with others. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say this. So from now on, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view, although we once did, right? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do so any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. This idea that we are made new in Jesus and what we bring to people and, you know, is the reality of the gospel, the conviction of sin, but the absolute forgiveness and repent, you know, repentance and forgiveness and new life in Christ. It's all a package deal. And every person longs in their heart to be set free from the oppression of sin. Sometimes we go, man, I'm not, I don't have the right words, or, but I'm convinced that we are sent out, compelled by the love of Christ to offer the gospel to others, to offer the truth of the gospel for others, that, that Jesus died for all of our sins. Yours and mine, every sin. We'll talk more about that in one second, okay? And so here's what this means, right? So if we're compelled by love, we're ambassadors, that means that we're going to hang out with people who aren't like us. One of the biggest problems I have in church world is that people get frustrated because the people around us aren't like us. And we aren't comfortable with it. Even here, there are people that aren't comfortable with each other in this room, right? But I think the truth is if you're an ambassador for Jesus, you're going to find yourself more and more surrounded by people that you're not comfortable with. But you're sent anyway. That you love anyway. That you offer the gospel to anyway. Because you believe what Jesus said is true, that he died for every sinner and every sin. And there's no exceptions to the rule. And so we have the opportunity to show grace and give, you know, room for one another to examine and to wrestle with God and to pursue him and to struggle and to be not perfect and not okay and not have all the answers because we know that God is doing a work in their life. The truth is that you will find yourselves more and more in following Jesus around people that you're not comfortable being around, Right? And then the other thing is this, we want people to know, and this is where church life comes up, because it's funny, you know, we wear these tags to get to know the names, but, you know, there's two sides of that thing I showed earlier, that, I, hello, I'm Christ, because the truth is that there's a passage of Scripture that says, when did we see you? And he says, when you see in the least of my brothers, you saw me, right? And, and this tag goes both ways, that I'm Jesus to you, but guess what? You're Jesus to me. And that means if, if I demonstrate grace to you, I'm demonstrating grace in the name of Christ to Christ, to the hope, to the kingdom. And you're doing the same for me, reciprocating grace to one another. That we come and we offer this to each other in the church. We call it brotherly love. We call it um, encouragement uh, of the saints or, or whatever you want to call it. But it's really an idea that you and I make each other better. I hope that's part of your mission in this world. I hope that you don't think that you have no part to play in making us better followers of Jesus. And some huge part of that, it comes right here, it says, 
Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I'm in Christ. Are you in Christ? He's a new creation. She's a new creation. The old is gone and a new is come. I need people to remind me of that in my life. I need someone around me who would say, man, that's the old way of thinking. That's not the truth of the kingdom. That's the old fear coming out. That's not the new truth of Jesus. And I hope that, I can't do this for every person in this room, but you all can do it for each other. I'll do it for every person I meet. I try. I screw up, right? I'm not good at it all the time. You guys screw up, don't you? You ever took somebody off in this church? I haven't. (laughs) I appreciate you laughing about that. You can help one another. That's old promise. That's not new. That's old news. That's old you. Encourage each other. The new has come. Man, that's a good word. The new has come. And then we offer this appeal on Christ's behalf as if he were making his appeal through us. But it's not our offer, it's Jesus's. We don't say, I'll save you. We don't save anybody, but God will, and God will. You today, your stuff today, God will deliver you from it. I promise you that. He has the power and the will to deliver you from your sin if you only repent and believe in Jesus. It's the gospel. It's his offer to us. All right, last point. We are in the business, therefore, and this kind of becomes obvious by now, that we're in the business of reconciliation, right? Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. It means the work that we do for another fundamentally is reconciliation work. Reconciliation, it's kind of a nerdy thing. It's like when you stand behind the counter at the bank and you count change, you make sure the book's balanced, right? But the difference is this. People come to the door of the bank of God and they can't pay enough and they have Jesus' offer on the cross as perfection and that settles the books. And so we're ministers of the reconciliation of Christ to the world, you, what's confession? You know, you, you and I come to each other, we talk about all the struggles and the sin we have in our life, and a brother or sister says, and Jesus died for that too. Let's pray about that. God, deliver this person from the sin. Deliver this person from the stuckness. Deliver this person from this oppression they're facing. He'll do it, but he's already done the work. We are complete in Christ. Reconciliation. There's four major areas, I'm gonna throw these out real quick, where I've sensed that God gives us a ministry of reconciliation. And the first is this, the because rec- we believe in the gospel. That's the first step. If you don't believe in the gospel, you can't offer the gospel to anybody. It just ain't the way it works. So you believe the gospel yourself, right? But the first thing we do is we offer reconciliation of others to God. You know, this eternal separation that we sense when we're lost. We know we're lost. We need Christ. We need to know Jesus. We offer reconciliation between God and his people. It's the first thing. But the second thing is this, and we talked about this a little bit at the church before, reconciling relationships one to another, healing old wounds, walking through nasty stuff, being honest when it's hard. You know, those are things we do to reconcile ourselves to one another in Jesus' name. It's a ministry of reconciliation. So first with God, with each other, and then here, reconciling who we are before Christ with who we are in Christ. And that's where the old is gone and new has come. And we've got to constantly settle up books. There's that voice in our head that says, you haven't got it figured out yet. You're not good enough to serve yet. And that's a lie. It's a lie. Who we are in Jesus is enough. And, and so that's reconciling ourselves. And then fourth, and this is the whole worldview, man, is you begin to reconcile all sin, every sin, every failure, every screwed up deal with the cross of Jesus. 
No matter how mad you get about something, no matter how frustrated, no matter how many shocked you are at the news or what happened to your family or friends, you begin to see all that through the cross of Christ and saying, but his grace is enough. He sent enough hope into this world. He will deliver us in this. We sing great songs here at Family Bible Church about the truth of the gospel applied to our lives. And we begin to reconcile all sin to the cross of Jesus. My, all my sin, all the world's sin is paid for in Christ. If only we would believe, man, believe the gospel. All right, so that's it. The last, the last thing here, I want to hit 21 real quick, okay? So God made him who was sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. And all I want to say about this was what's obvious there, that God made Jesus so we might become, right? I mean, I'm not saying he made Jesus. I don't want to get that theological. God, we're going to talk about, we're having a series come up in two weeks called One. We'll talk about that a little bit. There's no separation of the Godhead. There's only one God. But I'm saying that Jesus came so we might become. We were lost, and he saved us. The fact is that Jesus died on the cross so that we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the opportunity that we have today to, as believers in his name. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and I'm just going to ask you to pray right where you are, like no joke. If you, if you feel like you got sin and you need Jesus to help you with that sin, you can just ask him today from right where you're at, no special show, to, to help you with the sin. If you don't believe the gospel, you can ask him to help you understand and believe it. Ask for wisdom. Ask for insight. He'll give it to you. He'll change your heart and your life forever. And then whatever it is you're uncomfortable with, is ask him to send you into the fields and work with him. It's a beautiful opportunity we have in Christ. Please pray with me if you would. Father, we thank you so much for your word. and Thank you for the conviction that comes from reading it rightly and just knowing the truth of what you're saying to us and who we are in you. The, the power and the presence of your gospel in our lives that... Um, the now and not yet of it, that, that, that we are fully reconciled in Christ and yet we know that we aren't perfect yet, but you're still calling us to go out and believe and faith to administer the gospel to others. I pray, Father, that you would uh, just set those here today who are stuck in sin, set them free, uh, that you would do your work in their life. You were doing it before they got here. This isn't a special place for work. It's just a recognition of what you've been doing all week long in our lives. That you continue to deliver your people from their sin. That you continue to call us to a higher way of living. Our Father, our Father, uh, the desire is that we would put on these um, these medals for your glory uh, and not for our own. That you would be pleased and we'd be good representatives of you. And uh, for the ways that we've not done that well, we pray that you forgive us and uh, help us to do to be better in Christ. And Father, I pray for uh, opportunities to go and serve and love, that you would call us into this world. Um, give us the courage to go like we are and see what you'll do with that. And uh, we'll give you praise and glory. I pray that uh, our praise rises up like a beautiful uh, offering to you today and you are blessed uh, by your people gathered here. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.